0: Good Evans, it's a Bobcast. Welcome to episode 52. My name's Bob Evans, the host of the show. But my friends call me Kev. How are you going? Um, How are things at the moment? Most of Australia is in a form of lockdown. Um, I'm in Victoria. We're hoping for some good news very, very soon. I know that people of Adelaide are in lockdown at the moment and I also know The people of New South Wales, Sydney, um, are also uh, in lockdown and things are looking pretty average over there. Um, It's been tough. It's, uh, you know, every day brings forth, um, it seems lately, uh, disappointing news. But you know what? Um, We continue on. I put out a record called Tomorrowland. I hope you like it. If you haven't listened to it, please do. I'm very, very proud of it. And I'm trying to tour it. Managed to do a week in New South Wales, ironically. Um, Got that week done, but still trying to get the rest of the country done. I'm going to quickly go through my tour dates. Okay, on Saturday, September the 4th, I'm going to be at the Northcote Social Club with my band. Um couple of shows at the Grace Emily in Adelaide, Thursday, September the 23rd, Friday, September the 24th. They're both uh, sold out, but at a reduced capacity. So who knows, maybe at the end of September they might be able to up the capacity, if we're lucky. I'm playing in Mollymook, November the 6th. I've never been to Mollymook or Mollimuk. Um And I'm very much looking forward to playing there at a festival called Meet Me in the South Coast, uh, Mollymook. That's Saturday, November the 6th. Thursday, November the 18th, I'm at Black Bear Lodge in Brisbane. Friday, November the 19th at Villa Noosa in Noosaville. Still tickets available for both of those. Friday, December 17th, playing at the Rose Mountain Berth. And Saturday, the 18th at uh, the River in Margaret River. So... The week before Christmas, basically, finally, hopefully getting to um, play in WA, the shows that I was supposed to be playing in June. It's now going to I'm now going to be playing those shows in the middle of my family holiday every three years. My family goes to Perth for Christmas um, because my mum lives there. Um, And this is the third year. So we're all booked to go over there. um, So I now will be playing those shows in the middle of my little holiday which um you know look it's like i said on uh, facebook earlier uh the other day um you know it, it was a winter tour now it's a spring summer tour so what's not to like about that um next year in march i'll be playing the port ferry folk festival in port ferry in victoria which is uh, an amazing f- uh, festival for anybody who's interested in that it's, it goes over a couple of days yeah, it's camping it's it's awesome um so, yeah, that's that's the drill. Uh, you know, these shows are going to happen. Some of them have been postponed a bunch of times. Thank you so much to anybody who has bought a ticket and has held on to their ticket. You know, every time there's postponements, there's the opportunity to um, uh, get a refund on your ticket, obviously, because sometimes, you know, the new date doesn't work for you, and I totally get that. Um, and I understand the fatigue too, involved in all of this. Um, I'm feeling that... Uh, so yeah, just a massive thank you to everyone out there who is holding on to their ticket. Um, it really means a lot because um, because yeah, it's it's a pretty difficult situation uh, for lots of you know reasons that you probably understand. And you know, I can't really be bothered going into great detail now. Um, <laughs> um, on Spotify, you can find a playlist called "Good Evans." It's a Bobcast soundtrack that has all the songs. Going back to episode one that my guests have chosen to talk about. Um, also, too, you can email me at goodevansbobcast at gmail.com. Um, and I will uh, endeavor to respond to those emails when I do catch up podcasts with my friend Josh Pike, which I've been doing quite a bit since um, all this COVID malarkey started last year. Uh, please rate and review the podcast if you've been enjoying it. Um, that would be awesome. You can do that on iTunes and it helps. And also to uh, remember that um, there's a language warning for all my podcast, all my uh, Bobcasts. These are adult conversations that involve swearing. And just in case you're new to the podcast and you needed to hear that. All right. So episode number 52 is with my guest, Tim Blackwell, who is one third of the Kate Tim and Joel show which is uh, on Nova Drive in Sydney. Um, Now Tim, I actually met Tim uh, in the early 2000s, I think it was we think it was 2002. He came over to Perth when Nova first started over there to do the Drive show by himself, he's a very young man Um, and Jeb and I were also there on the day that they Began broadcasting as part of their celebrations. We played live. The Red Hot Chili Peppers were there as well. And we both <laughs> remember that day quite well because it was a funny day and we talk about it in the podcast. Um, but, uh, and Tim also, I should say, Tim also has a podcast which is called Introducing with Tim Blackwell where he gets to do a similar kind of thing to this. I guess uh, he gets to chat to musicians. Um, and have long-form conversations that he doesn't have the opportunity to do on his radio show. Um, so that podcast is called Introducing. Now, before we did this Bobcast, I, um, I was a guest on Tim's Introducing podcast. I'm not sure when that will come out. It could be uh, a month or two away because he's recording them differently to me. I record these and put them out as soon as I edit them and get them together, whereas... Um, he does his in seasons, and then it's a little bit more. Um, um, it's a little bit more structured. Um, but yes, please uh, look out for Tim's podcast introducing and the episode with me, which will be coming out really soon. Um, always had a big soft spot for Tim, and it's been a great pleasure. You know, when he first started working at Nova in Perth, and we met. Um, you know, like I said, he's, he's younger than me, so he, he must have been barely twenty. We talk about this anyway, um, and. Uh, to to sort of watch his career blossom over the next sort of 20 years from from afar uh, although we've bumped into each other a few times uh <laughs> at, backstage at festivals and at R awards and things like that over the years and um yeah always been someone that I've uh that I've really liked and enjoyed watching him progress uh in his career um, uh, Chris uh from Gibraltar and, and I we um when we first met Tim we were doing this uh radio show on Nova we were, Anyway, we talk about it on the podcast, and Chris coined gave Tim the nickname "Guy Smiley." We referred to him amongst ourselves as "Guy Smiley." I don't think we ever called him "Guy Smiley" to his face, but it was a very affectionate nickname for somebody who um, was not only is, is not only a, a very handsome man, but always has a, a beautiful big smile on his face, um, just a warm personality, and and it's no it's no surprise that he went on to carve out a 20-year career in the media and commercial radio and yeah he pops up on the tv a bunch of times as well um so anyway love Tim. i was so pleased that he uh had me on as a guest on his podcast and that he agreed to be a guest on mine as well we caught up via zoom uh just a few days back i hope you enjoy the chat i really did uh so let's listen to it now this is episode 52 Of good heavens, it's a Bobcast. Hey, Tim, how are you going? Welcome to the podcast. How has COVID? I mean, you know, I know, if people are getting sick of hearing about COVID, well, stuff it's this is my podcast, we can do it no, right. That's right. Um, how has that affected you? You've got family, you've got kids, yeah. you have got you've three, know,
1: how is it, um, three children. Um, my wife's got her own business, so it's kind of affected her a lot more than me. I, luckily, for some weird reason, they deem radio as an essential service, which I, I guess, you know... Strange way When you've got You know You can't see a band anywhere Which I believe Is essential for people's Kind of mental health But you (laughs) you can listen to me Do fart phone topics In the afternoon (laughs) Um, Sure But look I'm not complaining And because I do All the kind of Technical side of it as well I I couldn't really work from home I live under the flight path In Mm. the inner west of Sydney And I have three small children So no one wants to Mm. hear uh, (laughs) My house Between three and six In the afternoons I've been lucky enough To be able to go To my family Every afternoon About midday all right, Daddy's off to work, guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, and that has just been huge. So the fact that I've been able to work through the whole thing has, has been fine. But look, homeschooling a year three in a kindergarten is a little tough. But look, as I said, I, I hate to be a sydney of complaining. We've only just dipped our toe into lockdowns compared to people in Melbourne. So no, our, our personal story is totally fine compared to that of others. Hey, we just um, recorded an episode of your...
0: Uh, podcast which is called introducing
1: did you like the neon um, letters
0: i know well, you're making me feel I, look my background is really shit compared to yours <laughs> so we're, we're on zoom at the moment yeah for people listening so um tim tim's got like a a really a, a slick looking uh, backdrop behind him mm. And I've just got a bunch of. In fact, you've got the worst view of, of all the views you can have in this studio. You've definitely got the worst. Well, I can see it's the roof. They're just shelving.
1: Shelving. Yeah, shelving. Dutch <laughs> yeah, and crap. It has no. It has zero theme. <laughs> zero category. There's no category of, on your show. What is your garage? You... They set up for music. Though you don't have a car in there, do you? That's surely. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. No, it's,
0: it's it's a yeah it's a little studio, but but um I've sort of I've got. All the stuff that I use to kind of, like, record... Like, my desk and my speakers and everything is sort of at one end. And then at the back end, at the opposite end of the wall, that's the one wall of the
1: room where it's just storage. (laughs) Yeah.
0: yeah. And that's the...
1: That's the wall that you get. <laughs> well, clearly you haven't done many zooms in this because I've had I've I, I I did a zoom with like um some there was some important meeting and someone had like the backdrop of the Oval Office you know you're super important. Oh, yeah, you should do like yeah. a like a Tahiti background or a little coconut I know. like a tiki bar or something for your next <laughs> for your next zoom. I show. Sh- <laughs> I know. I
0: should. I don't do a lot of I don't do a lot of zooms. Um, yeah. Okay. But yeah, I, I should have
1: like. I <laughs> You're not Zooming so the head of record companies from that garage, eh? It's not the... Uh, no, I don't talk to record companies anymore. Um, <laughs> those, those days are over, Tim. Um,
0: but, but so your podcast, Introducing, what's uh, what's the background for that? What's um uh, What got you into making that?
1: Well, I've never been talented enough to be in a band, and I really missed the boat. I played violin and piano when I was a kid and blah, blah, blah. But I, I through the years of being on radio, and I've been lucky enough to be on air for almost 20 years now. I've I've got a lot of mates in the business and get to see a lot of bands and have access at festivals and all that stuff. And I'm like, I I kind of want to maybe have a conversation that doesn't involve 58 beers and a side of stage. I want to actually be able to get someone in. And because of the radio style of radio I do as well, like, we kind of get someone in, it's a bit slick and it's a bit known and we five minutes, we promote something and we play a little fun game and we move on, but we can't really deep dive into someone's career and I've, yeah. I have yeah, I don't really get a chance to listen to a lot of podcasts because I live kind of in a city and I work in a city, so my commute's probably 10 minutes uh, and i still, I'm a bit old school and like to listen to music, so basically I have a three and a half song commute, <laughs> so I figure, I can't listen to podcasts, why not try and make one? So. I'm, only, I'm very new, I didn't realise how many you've done, but I, I, I've only done one series, and I, and you are episode three, I think, of my second series, so I'm still uh, okay. uh, uh, an amateur. I didn't realise how long you've been tinkering away the there in your garage, though, but it's pretty impressive.
0: Well, well considering <laughs> considering that I started doing them in 2016, I should have done a lot more by now. Uh, <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, there are people that have done. This is like number fifty-two or something. Yeah, there are people that have done that many in their first
1: twelve months. I know, but I don't. So, I don't want. I, but no one's got. Like I even love Joe Rogan, right? And I know I love the people he talks to. But I kind of like. I don't have. Who has three and a half hours a day <laughs> to listen to? Yeah, that's, sure, a <laughs> that's a lot of commuting. It's a lot of commuting. Yeah. Um, no, I think fifty-two is a nice place to be at. I'm, a, I'm I'm privileged to be your 52nd guest.
0: <laughs> I think it's 52nd. I, I didn't <laughs> check. Um, oh, I know it is it is. I've got it here 52. Oh, good, good. Um, uh, do you have do you have a lawn at home because I've found that other the only other time that I find really good for listening to a podcast outside of the car which is where I listen yeah. to most of them is when I'm gardening and when I'm mowing the lawn. Obviously you have to have it cranked up pretty hard in the old headphones. Um,
1: well, you, may, you, may, you, the- you may have misheard me. I live in the inner city, Sydney area. Uh. <laughs> so yeah, I have about 12 <laughs> acres. we have got the cow. Uh, I've got two ride-ons, one for the front, one for the back. No, we have a little patch of lawn, but because I have three children, you know what we put on top of it? A giant trampoline, which of course, is the of world's course. greatest babysitter, because it's not like a pool. You don't have to supervise. You zip them up. But the point is, that the whole under of the lawn, uh, sorry, under of the tramp has just died so, oh, yeah. and and, yeah. and the only lawn mower I owned was because my mum had a fly mow. Do you remember the the orange fly mow? No, was, which did,
0: tell me what that is. Well,
1: so, I, I, I did mow the front and the back before the tram, and you plug it in, and it's orange, and it's meant to hover above <laughs> the grass, and you, and you do this, and you've got to throw the extension cord over your back and really make sure you don't run over that cord. Um, so you're more you're, <laughs> you're more fearing for your life. There's no way I would wear headphones and listen to a podcast while I'm deep into a fly mode. But just so you know, if anyone's listening and they're thinking you're going to be sneaky and try and find one, they've been discontinued. You can probably find a, a, a second-hand one, but they do not make <laughs> them, they do not sell them, and that is wise.
0: <laughs> hey, look, you talk about being in Sydney and... Um, and- I know that uh well when we first met, um and we talk about this in your podcast, but um when we first met we were actually we were in Perth. You were living in Perth. Yeah. And that was around about the time when Nova first started first started in Perth, which we think is around two thousand
1: and two. Yeah, December so, I know it was December. Yeah, December.
0: Was that so was that your first Well you must have been super young then and 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 was that your first kind of what radio gigs had you had before that? Was that well,
1: I I'd I, I, I done... Commu- I, all I've, this is all I've ever done in my life. I worked at a news agency in Hobart for about six months when I was in high school, and that was it. But I, this, all I've ever done is radio. So I did community radio, did radio with friends, and then when I wasn't doing that, I was work experiencing at um, radio stations, breakfast shows mainly in Hobart and in Sydney. Um, and then my first paid job was with NOBA, which was was then owned by DMG, the Daily Mail Group, and that was for Nova 100 in Melbourne. Um, and because they got me out of our afters, I went to the Australian Film, Television and Radio School. And they, oh, and, okay. they, and they got me out of there before graduation. And Nova Sydney had just started in April of that year. And there was all this kind of murmurs because DMG bought a second license. And licences... Right, FM licenses. I mean, imagine now we're doing a podcast and there's streaming, but FM licenses were like hundreds millions. of millions of dollars. Like, yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. Like, like, I want to say 152 million. I mean, the ballpark, right? right? So it's nuts. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. but. There was no, they they didn't know if it was going to be another Nova. And because I was like 19, 18 at the time, I had to sign this kind of confidentiality agreement. And they shipped me off to Albury to work at Star FM Albury. But Star FM Albury was like a hub of radio stations. So I was on air to nine regional markets for five hours a day as a 19 year old. I still to this day have never worked harder in my life. But to, to long story short, December of that year, Nova 100 launched. And I worked there for about 18 months, did midnight till dawn, then uh, 10 p.m. till 1 a.m. Um, And then I got the offer to move to Perth to do drive, which was three till six. Um, And I'd never been to Perth even to visit and signed a two-year contract. So, when those, those wheels hit the tarmac... I had zero friends. I didn't know where anything was. And I knew I was gonna be here for two years. Uh, but that was my definitely my first big gig. My first daylight hours gig, I guess. Like you look out the window and you can actually see the city and you you shit yourself a bit. So my first real job where I wasn't just mucking around at night, definitely. And um
0: and so at the time Chris from Jebs and I were um so yeah, so we were we we're playing Jeb and I um and- and we were asked to come and play at the launch yes. of Nova, mm-hmm. um, and then the guy who ran it, who I think we've... Andrew Jeffries, before yeah, Andrew Jeffries, yeah, I just remember. Apparently his now he's working at. LA. He's a very, he was a very upbeat man, very upbeat man. Ah, uh, it was a Kiwi, right? Was from New Zealand. I think I he was
1: a Kiwi. Yes, yeah, yeah.
0: And then he, so he offered me and Chris um, this kind of local. Music show that would be on every Sunday night from ten to twelve uh, over in Perth on Nova, which was kind of pretty cool because you know even though it was for ten p.m. to midnight on a Sunday night each week, for so many there were so many Perth bands who got their first radio airplay yeah. on for, that, that they'd ever had yeah. on fucking Nova on yeah. like a big commercial station, which is quite unusual, right? That's not normally how it how it works out. So it was a
1: really. Um- but see, but can I can I say the start of Nova was specifically as well because these when we got these when I say we got these licenses, like I was in the meetings. But when, when we got these, <laughs>
0: no, I'm, I'm sure you had a big part <laughs> to do with it, Tim. You know, don't, um, play it I cigar, don't play it down. I had a
1: cigar. I just Like ever thought of a license in Perth? Um, <laughs> when we got these licenses, though, we became like this station that just owned the city, right? And and we were really what a radio station I love. And this is what, you still kind of drives me to this day. What a radio station really. Should be is is gives you a sense of the city that it's broadcast out of, and I I know it's ironic that I say that now because I I sit and do a show that's beamed out to like seventy two stations around the country. Like that, that's just how the world is now. But then, uh, when we even when I worked in Brisbane, God, we played some amazing Brisbane Brisbane bands. I had Brisbane bands on the breakfast show, and we played. Their music. I had a new music show on in Brisbane that would highlight that. Uh, Melbourne Nova sounded like you were in Melbourne every time you mm. flicked it on. Sydney was the same. Um, we, we've changed with the times now, but like what WA made, the show you were doing, was really replicated in, in some way, shape, or form, even just in the playlist of the stations around the country. For I, I'm going to say, uh, well, Nova is 20 now. For the first 10 years of Nova, I reckon it was quintessentially the city. And, mm. and, I, and I think it, breakfast shows uh, are doing that now. I mean, the mu- it's not done with music like it was. I, I think with podcasts now, I think the one thing that we can beat the streaming services over is the is our content and our shows and our people. Um, and I think that's what the radio focus these days is now more on shows, on people versus... Well, I remember when people used to run in a, a CD of a... I mean, even a cat empire song quick we are got to be the first to play it and now you kind of yeah, yeah. now you kind of go well assume everyone's heard it <laughs> so, Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so no one's running in with a disc anymore so i kind of in a nice way i'm re-energized with the industry because it's about the shows and about the people whereas when i started in perth it was talk for 10 seconds or 15 seconds over the top of a song don't let the music finish uh so it's kind of flipped i reckon in a little in a weird way which is strange because I, I work on music radio but Definitely, back to your point. With the show you were doing, was what Nova was all about. We, we were brand new in the market. We were like di- the disruptor in a way from those clean skin, mm. homogenised stations that just played by the rules. We played two ads in a row. We play a Jay Z song into a Casey Chambers song. Like that's serious. Like we're playing really yeah, like, yeah. Chili Peppers. We're playing um Daya songs. We're playing Eskimo Joe songs in Perth. We're playing End of Fashion songs in Perth. We weren't doing that in Sydney or Melbourne. It was um, it was just, such an exciting time. Such an exciting time. Did Perth take a while to kind of
0: grow on you, or did you like it immediately? How did that go? Well, I, being I, a, such a young person going in there,
1: I found in because the radio industry was so small over there. I, I, I think people were shitty with me that I got that job, cause, um, <laughs> because because uh, I what what I, the the, seri- the the feeling I got was Ah, uh, who do you think you are? Coming from well, that stage Melbourne, even though I was from Sydney and via well, Hobart, who do you think you are coming over here taking our jobs? And I've always kind of thought to myself, "You're very welcome to apply for jobs in Melbourne." <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, like please. Like I, I, I got that feeling, and and then when I, because I was young and I didn't know I, I put my life into work and so I met my wife on the day that Nova launched. So, That's incredible. I did not so know. So I, I reckon I met you for the first time on the day I met my wife for the first time, on the day I met the chili peppers for the first time. Which which was the biggest <laughs> and which was the biggest highlight? Well in order, it went <laughs> chili peppers, you, Monique, because I didn't know what Monique and I had to look forward to. <laughs> uh, let's say that. Um yeah, because so, we had a big launch party down at Llama Bar afterwards and I was on cloud nine. I just launched the radio station. I was shit scared. I listened back occasionally. I go, I don't know why they put me on. I was so nervous. But I, I warmed up um, and then at the end of all that stuff, you go downstairs and you have a corona with Lord Rothermere, who's the guy that owned DMG at the time. It was his 36-year-old billionaire. And then this beautiful girl in an Nova T-shirt was hanging around because she was working at the function and I got up talking to her and I'm, I don't know how it happened so quickly, but we organised to catch up, and this was a sign of how long ago it was. She got a file out of her handbag. Nice, nice. <laughs> and she goes, "I think I can do Tuesday afternoon for a quick lunch before work." Um, so now that that was probably the biggest day of my life, personally and career-wise as well. That date in December.
0: That's amazing. That's huge. <laughs> so that so we we did talk a little bit about this as well, but um. On your on your podcast, but uh, yeah, the Chili Peppers came in on the opening day, and yeah. Jeb and I were in there, and we had all our gear brought in because we were going to play. You know, and when I say all our gear, I mean like all our amps, a full drum kit, like a full band stuff up the up the lift and into the studio to um, play a bunch of songs um, live. And then the, the Chili Peppers came in to do an interview, and they saw all our gear and asked if they could jump. Into the room uh, on our gear and play some uh, play some songs, which of course everyone at Nova was super excited about. Oh my god, we're going to get an exclusive! <laughs> the chili peppers play, but me and the other guys in Jim were going whoa 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 hang on, we just, <laughs> just, just set up all our stuff, and what the hell is going on? Well, from our
1: can I say from our point of view though as well, you know, we're, we're <laughs> always taught taught to prepare for the worst. So the red hot chili peppers are all in They're on a world tour, they're on the by the way tour, I'm pretty sure, and I was told, hey, look, they could and this was live live three PM on the day. They could be here yeah. for ten minutes, fifteen minutes. Basically, Tim, don't expect too much. Prepare for everything could, that could possibly happen. Expect, yeah. So, so the fact that they're playing their own tunes, I, I was telling you like they were playing like Susie and the Banshees and Amy Mann and Queen songs and just it was absolutely unbelievable. They even called my mum Flea called my mum live on air to ask if I was breastfed. Um, <laughs> like you know, an hour in I'm eating candlelight with John Freshante and Chad Smith's giving me a massage. So, you know, I'm not going to lie, you guys are hanging around outside the glass waiting to go on. So when they say, (laughs) we've seen some instruments outside... Can we play? I'm like, mate. Can you play? You can take that stuff home if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't attach. A, I didn't attach an owner to those instruments. <laughs> you would have done the same thing. You would have done the same thing.
0: Well, I think that maybe is why Andrew offered me and Chris a radio show because <laughs> yeah. he probably felt sorry for us. <laughs> <laughs> never, never, never. <laughs> I had talked to him about um, the nature of moving around so much. Like this is one thing about. Radio you know that that you really really have kind of seen a lot of over the years and noticed that it's a, a a massive part of the radio industry is like people move around everywhere I mean have you lived and worked in every state of Australia by now
1: every state except south Australia so I, well, I was born in Hobart and then got out of Sydney young with my mum but work-wise my first job was in Melbourne and then it went Melbourne I'm going to do this Melbourne to Perth Perth yeah. back to Melbourne oh sorry so, per, no, no no Perth back to Sydney Sydney to Melbourne Melbourne to Brisbane Brisbane to Sydney and here I am and so, how
0: does that work does, does it, you basically just get called into an office one day and say hey look you know there's a Off, you know,
1: they just offer you a job somewhere else and you want to take it. Well, because I worked with Nova for 20 years, I I will say this every move has been for a better job. The only time that was the hardest move was Melbourne to Brisbane because um, I was anchoring Husey and Kate's breakfast show. I I never thought I would be anything more than a, that was, this is, current temp jock. And I didn't mind that, by the way. I wanted to do that. So, when I had the option of actually being in a show, and the first show I got to be in was with Dave Hughes and Kate Langbrook. I I took that up and and did a good couple of years there. Um, And then, I guess, the idea of moving to Brisbane, but to move to Brisbane with my name on the show... I forgot mm. that that was kind of like we were so comfortable. Like I, I, I'm still to this day dear friends with Kate Lanebrook and and Dave Hughes and the best teachers ever. And for them to let me into their little clique and like you know I, I kind of learnt on the job with the 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 best in the business really. Mm. Um, so it's almost like I was thinking that that bass player that just got that job with Metallica. It's like here you go. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah like, yeah this, yeah. This is for your this is for you to fuck up. <laughs> um, but
0: here and, you he's, are. And, and like
1: you like you he' still got the job yeah there you go okay great so there you go. I'm glad I used that I'm glad I used that example but um I, I thought so going like and my wife this was the thing as well having a partner that kind of gets it because my wife at the time was loving Melbourne sick had we bought our first house there and um, so is she born born and raised in perth yeah yeah but she okay so but the thing about her before i met her though she had this like two wild years in london where i was this big nerd when she met me because i was like just radio radio is all i want to do and the only people i want to (laughs) hang out is radio people but she was over there she did a bit of modeling she worked at witchery she worked at bars so she kind of came back to perth and so when i called her and said we've been offered a job well i've been offered a job in sydney and i totally get if you don't want to come she goes please I've just been living <laughs> in London and she goes, yeah, 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 I, I yeah. guess like she really wanted to come home. She missed Perth so much, but I guess London to Perth, she kind of wanted something a little, a little bit in between. I'm, I'm not saying yeah, Sydney's yeah. anywhere like London, but it's kind of like the next best thing. So she kind of jumped at the opportunity and then from there, I've been lucky enough, she's kind of come along for the ride. So, I mean, that's helped so much. I I, I kind of, as a kid, though, I went to nine, 10 different schools. So moving, this is the longest I've ever kind of stayed in one spot. But I guess because life happens and I've had three children, and you know, you buy another house and you whatever, like, it doesn't feel like it's been that long, but it's certainly the longest mm. I've, I've stayed still the last 10 years.
0: It's interesting, isn't it? How, like, you know, because I was going to ask about that because, yeah, that, you know, hearing that you were from, born in Tassie, like, it's interesting how, like, you ended up in a career where it's absolutely integral in order to advance in that career to be able to constantly uproot and move to a different place and that you'd been doing that all through your childhood. Yeah, like,
1: and, and and then I almost kind of um, equate being on air to like walking into that classroom for the first time where you know everyone's been there for seven years. Like the, the hardest ch- move for me was walking into a year 10 class because I w- lived in America for a couple of years and then I decided in year 11 and 12 I wanted to go back to Tasmania to live with my dad to do my HSE. And so yeah. going, I, I started in year 10 down in Tassie and God, walking into year 10 you realise that everyone's known each other since yeah. they were in year one. That's <laughs> so, tough, man. That is tough. Over to you, bro. <laughs> Just go make some yeah. friends, you idiot. <laughs> so, yeah. That, but then I really think the same thing is, like, I moved to a city you maybe get a weekend in the service department, you've got two weeks in your contract before you have to find a rental and you're on air in that city that you've spent no time in and Mm. everyone who's worked in that radio station outside the studio has all been there for 15 years as well. So you kind of get used to that first two or three weeks of your working or school life with people looking at you going, all right, idiot, what do you got? (laughs) So you've got to be good at going out, drinking with random people and just making yourself likeable and then you've got to get all the suburb names right. That's all I've...
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot. That's a lot to learn. But yeah, but I mean... So do you think like constantly moving as a kid and going through different schools and like that experience you say, like rocking up to year 10, I mean, at that age, it'd be really tough. Yeah. Um, um, and just almost like training yourself to um, be able to adapt and to be able to commun you know you've become a communicator as your job to be able to like hone those skills of just
1: being a good communicator and being able to just like you know hit it off with people that you don't know yeah i had a friend who said at our wedding once that i make friends like a 10 year old on a bmx it's like <laughs> and i still do to this day like i i've got friends that are you know in their 20s, I have got friends who are just about to turn 60, i have got friends who are in the finance business, a friend that's a lawyer, a friend that's a music. friends of the musicians, friends that are like not just friends that I happen to share the same year three teacher with and that's just mm-hmm. my journey, like I, I, I look at that and go, I couldn't have asked for a better upbringing and therefore I've got such a, an amazing group of friends and know such a different a variety of people but in saying that now I am the father I go well I just want my kids to stay in this school and I want I'm so paranoid about them because I kind of feel that school's all about socialisation. Really, it's kind of like, well, good luck getting a job now. Like, my daughter's in year three in 2021. Like, what the hell are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> like, what job's going to be left for you? And then my two boys, well, they like, please just marry someone rich. So, like, <laughs> but I kind of, I, I kind of, so strange. I've had that life, but now I'm kind of a bit comfortable for the first time ever. And I don't, I couldn't imagine them being in nine schools. I'd, I'd feel terribly mm. for them, even though it worked out really well for me. It's a strange. It's strange. I mean, so where's home now? Sydney, definitely. Yeah. And so what happens if, um, you know, in work, if
0: someone comes along and goes, "Hey, you know, <laughs> got this opportunity up in Brisbane," or, <laughs>
1: <laughs> what, do you, what do you do? Oh God! Well, that's different now. My my wife's got her own business. Well, there's four more people in my life. I've got to, and a and a cat that I got to check with now. Before it was me in a suitcase and and, and barely anything else. Um yeah. I, I would love to say here for what I do for a living as well. Uh, like I found, I found it's funny now that I've lived away from Melbourne for so long because I always saw myself living in Melbourne for the rest of my life because I kind of started my adulthood there. But mm. for what I do with some, which is basically someone with zero talent that just talks, unless you're a kind of a comedian <laughs> or a football player, like a professional stand-up or a footy player, working in the media, you've got. No chance in Melbourne. Like every person in Melbourne media has played at least ten games of footy or done yeah. two years of stand-up.
0: <laughs> it's Whereas- so true. And, and then also <laughs> you got to add to that. I, this that is absolutely true. You've either got to be a footy ex footy player, um, a comedian, or maybe you know a bit of reality TV. Right. Yeah, a real housewife. In your, maybe yeah. in your resume. But um, but yeah, like that's that's something that I've totally noticed in how like. I mean, you know, there was a time where, um, you know, broadcasting was something that's, you know, w- and similar with journalism or whatever, was something that, um, you know, people had to kind of train to do. Yeah. Whereas, whereas now, like, the opportunities for people who are just purely trained as broadcasters or whatever, like, there's not as many jobs around as there are anymore
1: because they're competing with these um Celebrities. Well, one of the worst jobs I ever got in Melbourne was I, I got to host the Fox Footy MVP Award and the money was so good and I was like, but why me? Right. So I go, alright, well I'm, and I prepare for it and I and I love my footy. I'm a Mad Hawks fan. I'm, i I love my AFL. I love my footy. But I stood up on this lectern and I was live on Fox Footy and to a room of I kind of it's it's happens the weekend or the, the Tuesday night before the grand final. So the two teams are in the grand right. final up there, but everyone else Who's just been ravaged with injury, and they've obviously not made it to the big game. Yeah, All yeah. those players are in the room, so you can tell they're a real cool audience. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they look at this dropkick skinny bloke who has not played a game, they've never probably listened to Nova in their life. And from the first two words, I just the the, the eyes I glanced into, they're like, "Get fucked." <laughs> oh, no. You got that look, and I it was awful, mate. It was really awful. Whereas what I love about Sydney is we're like. like Five vote codes of footy up here. So strangely, footy doesn't define anyone, but they still love it. Like it's kind of like a there, there's a bit more to it. So. It's actually a great place for someone that has no particular hole to fit into to get a job or to go and MC right. something. Or to, we're professionals at kind of um, getting through on <laughs> on just. Mm. Uh, but but then on the flip, that's what's so great about Melbourne. You can be standing in a queue at a bar or waiting to get on a plane. Remember those days, and you could. Just ask someone simply who they barrack for, and you could have a two-hour conversation. So, I'm not saying I don't like mm. that, but I'm saying for, I guess, a person in the media being in a place like Sydney, which is not defined by football codes, um, is a lot easier for me. And um, look, this is where my family are, and my mum's here. So, for now, I'm not going to say no to that Brisbane job, but for now, we're very, <laughs> we're very comfortable here. I also, though, mate, look at the way we're talking to each other. Like, there's a lot of jobs now, especially in radio, like... I mean Kyle Sanderlands is up in Port Douglas half the time like if you're good enough and, and they want you you could you could maybe um, have a the, have a case for rules yeah, yeah. yeah set yeah. the rules exactly right but yeah. I'm a long way off doing you know three days a week in Port Douglas I reckon <laughs> <laughs> we can only dream Tim. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll
0: just just go into Port Douglas for a fucking holiday right now Se- seems almost
1: impossible well the closest so, uh, thing you can do is put a Port Douglas background on your Zoom <laughs> <laughs> that's the closest thing. Um, so on my podcast you're the first uh,
0: radio Paul oh, well, Zan I spoke to Zan of course yeah um, I love that episode first, yes. com- commercial- first person in the world of commercial radio so. Yep. The, tell me about the pressure of, because it comes across to me as being super cutthroat, right? Yeah. Like ratings and surveys and everything. And I, like, I get the impression that those things play a much more important role than is led on. Like, is it, is it as cutthroat and high pressure around that sort of stuff as it seems?
1: I would say for the people downstairs in in sales, it is. There's a lot more high turnover down there. There's a lot more pressure to perform on results. Like, I mean, look, there's no doubt if we have like eight radio surveys a year. So, that's the first thing that makes radio better than TV is that they get ratings as soon as they get off air, you know? So, I mean, TV shows are axed two episodes in. Um, Yeah. So, look, you know, you've got to be consistent. Um, You've also got to... Look, I, I kind of come at it from a place where... Ryan Fitzgerald's one of my best mates, and he's been doing breakfast for as long as I've been doing drive. A lot of my mates who are on other radio stations, we've all kind of started to be around. Like we've all been around for a while. Um, yeah, I, I think now with with there's so much content out there, there's a part of me that thinks radio is kind of wanting that trusted voice a bit more, as opposed to maybe in the early days when you would put a 20 year old on breakfast in Sydney and see how it went. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, there's a lot to be said for experience now. Um, I look. The ratings do play. Not look. It's a nice little tap on the back. We, we've had a really good run with the show. Joel Creasy started on the show, um, taking over from Marty Sheagle, which was a, obviously a huge, huge show for us. We didn't know how that was going to go, and Joel's just been welcomed with open arms by the listeners. So we've been very lucky ratings wise. When you use the word cutthroat, though, I think that certainly happens more in the world of sales and potentially in mm-hmm. meetings that I'm not in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, Marty Sheagle's Marty, Marty just he's now he's
1: doing he's down in Melbourne doing his own show right yeah Triple M Breakfast in Melbourne um, and you can also hear him around the country too I think they've got a little highlights package up against us from 3 o'clock which is all great um, but look but the, <laughs> the, the radio awards are always a great time look, for when you're on air I think it's very similar to if, uh, in, if you're in a band like I look over like like Kyle and myself, and Ben Fordham, uh, and Brendan Jones, and Jackie O, and Kate Langbrook, and, and Hughesy, and all these guys, Marty, we're all on different radio stations now, but we're all the first people we go up to and say good day and give a hug. And yeah, yeah. Like, we're. You reckon the music industry industry small? The on-air talent pool of Australian commercial radio is much smaller. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and sure, there's a dick or two, but why wouldn't there be? Right? <laughs> but, I, I, yeah, the cutthroat's not the word. We're, we're all quite friendly. Um, I mean, when the chips are down, maybe come back and we'll do another episode um, and see how friendly everyone <laughs> friend is. When I've been tanking for seven months. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh let's talk uh,
0: about music and and your sort of upbringing. Yeah. So growing up in uh in Tassie, let's go back to um let's go back to uh you know little Tim. Little yeah. Tim's growing up in Tassie. What what was the what what was the kind of music that um that you were listening to that started to kind of inform your interest in it and you know how much of an influence did your parents play in your in the kind of stuff that you got into,
1: yeah, we like, yeah we always have music on. My my dad like obviously like like the rest of the world have just gone mad for vinyl. So my stepfather's just kind of offloaded his um vinyl collection. But he was he's from Berlin, my stepfather, and so I've got all the Beatles and Rolling Stones first editions of vinyl. But all the 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 notes inside are all in German, <laughs> so um so which is great. I love it. But um look so mu- music. Can you- did that help you? At, can you speak any? I can say Lichten in mine and shaft." Why does everything in German sound rude? Well, that is rude. I think. I think that. Is okay. A- <laughs> I can I can say Ikevan or Galner Millionaire, which um, was a, a German pop group called De Prinzen. when I used to get, visit Berlin with him and see his family and stuff. De Prinzen were like the hot thing for teenagers, so that was if I was going to be a millionaire or something. But um, funny, funny with that at home, I would listen to so much radio, but for the shows. So like I was the only one that was recording Barry Bissell's Take 40 Australia, but cutting the music out. So I was record- <laughs> So you know how everyone used to say, i got I fucking hate it when Barry used to talk over the intro to the song. I'm like, I love that, I love that, and I replay it and I replay it. Um, But I did have a Triple J sticker and again a dog sticker on the bottom of my school bag. So I guess with CDs, I I, I was mad for the Hottest 100s because because I was so distracted listening to radio shows. This was my album that I would play all year. Like I would like Triple J as a station when I was young was almost a bit too cool, but. Where, like, I was like, oh, what, this all day? No, no thanks. <laughs> but, <laughs> when I went to, but when I went to go in and I played, you know, Custard Apartment and, um you know, songs like that, I remember that Triple J Hottest 100 Volume 3 with the ice cream on it was like the first one where I'm like, all right, I really love this music. Um that? That does
0: really, like, see, I,
1: the only Hottest 100 CDs that I
0: own are the ones that I was given <laughs> because we were on them.
1: Oh, on them, and- yeah, okay
0: and i do seem to remember the ice cream on being on the cover of one of them
1: but it was a pretty i wonder how democracy like what someone like maybe ask zan again but for like a hundred uh songs it was only a two disc album like there was probably 23 tracks on it it was pretty cutthroat if you weren't on it (laughs) but you were it.
0: yeah yeah no that's that's a real thing yeah i can remember um that was a real thing you you were getting the hottest 100 and then the next thing was like oh shit. I really hope we make it to the oh, C D because that. yeah. Because being on the C D was you know, it, it was reasonably lucrative. Not that it, you not that it was lucrative and that you'd make a lot of
1: money from it, but
0: they sold a lot of records you know what's that, the point that, of being I number to... what's
1: the point of being number 15 in the actual countdown which is on one day a year yeah, when yeah, you're not, you're on, not the on the cd <laughs> because totally. also cd's are what well, i like, you'd, you'd probably only i'd only buy a handful of cd's not 30 bucks like i remember buying Regurgis Hater's unit which i had to get my dad to buy for me because it had plastic on it and you had to be over 18 <laughs> um and you'd listen to that album all the time, and same with the hottest one hundred album, like if you weren't on that album, you may as well not have been in the countdown, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true,
0: yeah, I never listened to the c d s but I'd listened to Triple J all the time, so yeah. probably the need to listen to the c d s wasn't really there um but yeah, so you did you play instruments, did you sing were you you know were you ever uh you ever played in any bands? Did that sort of world ever kind of come beckoning to you?
1: Or? I played instruments, but the shit ones, right? And this is why I make my kids play the cool ones. So I played, viol- <laughs> I played violin for I'm going to say eleven years, and I was violin really- is cool. That's I, well, not if you're Warren Ellis, you know. it's cool. If you or if you're one of the cores, it's cool. But <laughs> I, I played and I played really well. I did solos and did everything. I played piano. But I was never playing music like I was playing, you know, Vivaldi's Four Seasons and stuff. So, like, not that I, I, I kind of detest people who decide to get the um, the acoustic guitar out at parties and like we have to sit oh, around. No,
0: I detest that. Oh god! But
1: I but I wanted to be able to. I wanted. I, I could never do that. and Go. Who wants to hear Four Seasons in, in <laughs> Suzuki method? Let me go and resin my bow. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> See. Okay, that's not cool. At a certain time you When you're, of your when life. you're 15, but, it's not cool. If you can, that's,
0: but this is the problem. See, this is the problem. Like, if you can push through... Yes, that, yes. By the time you get into like your thirties and forties, all of a sudden you're pretty damn cool. Yes. Again, because you can oh let me just play some violin or let me just <laughs> whip out a little bit of classical music on the piano. It's like, yes, yes. Damn, that is super impressive. But know?
1: see, violin's one of those instruments that if you put it down for even two days, you forget everything you've ever learned. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Like, I, I still have my my really good violin at home. It's more of a just a piece now, but. I'd be hopeless at it. But what I did was, because I never got into it, I kind of really missed that boat because it was all radio, all radio. Um, when I moved to Melbourne um, to get my first job and I was was and I was, had so much time free because I was doing midnight to dawn, I bought a, friend, a Fender Strat and I just learnt four chords, five chords, enough to make myself, oh yeah, cool, you can play, you know, I think fake plastic... Wall Wonderwall. Fake Plastic Trees by Radiohead <laughs> was my first and then Karma Police... Uh, nice. and, then, and then that's kind of all I needed but then years later, like Dylan, I worked with Dylan Lewis pretty closely and he's a dear friend of mine I know he's oh, cool. doing some great work on Double J at the moment which is so cool but he's just like mate you just don't You should have been in a band. (laughs) He's like, you kind of (laughs) fucked it for yourself. You really should have been because it was so fun because he's been in like a hundred bands. So um, I I do have that kind of regret a little bit. But my playing at the moment, I guess, long story short, is at a level that I'm happy with. And then my my daughter's playing guitar. Um, I'm looking at the moment for a secondhand drum kit because I've got a six-year-old son that he just needs to hit stuff so i want them to play instruments and i want them to play songs that they hear on the radio and want to replicate as opposed to yeah you know something from tchaikovsky <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it is i i actually learnt
0: violin myself for about three years from grade three to grade six yeah um and i, I gave it up because i just it was i found it boring and i didn't want to practice now I wish I would love to be able to play violin. Yeah, you're right. You're you know, right. yeah. Um, it's such a but. Yeah, it's hard when you're a kid. Like you've got to be engaged. You know, yeah. It's just engaged. You've got to be engaged. Well, because you know,
1: well, like, you know what engages you when you're playing the guitar and you're hearing the song sound like the song that you yeah. like, whereas right. you'd never heard of these guys in my yeah. Suzuki method book, and I kind of didn't no. have an interest. Like I, I wanted to get it right, so I had to, stop, which meant I just could stop practicing it. <laughs> like, yeah, Yeah. It's just different motivations, but you're absolutely right. Maybe we should get a little uh, duo violin duo together for the next <laughs> for the next um, reckon, day on the green. <laughs>
0: I, I reckon if I held if I picked up a violin today, I reckon I could probably still. <clears throat> I could probably for for a few seconds. I could probably fool somebody into thinking that I could play it. Okay. For, for just a few seconds, I reckon. All right. and then after that, then after that, I, it would be blatantly obvious. That <laughs> 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 I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm a fraud. Um, all right, so uh, Tim, I always ask uh, my guests to uh, uh, bring in three songs that uh, based around any theme whatsoever mm. uh, that they would like to um, share with us. So um, first of all, I guess uh, did did you sort of did you choose the theme or are these... Well, well kind, of,
1: kind of a theme. Just just kind of songs I remember being a, a... Like, signifying something in a way. Not not necessarily the song signifying it, but I remember the, the song, like, I, I kind of went from... These are, like, my aha moments, as Oprah would say. Like, so... Like, a. Like, Youth, Career and Relationship. What about that? Or, yeah. Nice. Something like that. Oh, I like it. I like it. So, what? So, we're going to go to well, so the first start, let's, youth. Should we start Youth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I love well, this. I love well, this. Well, well, Frog Stomp was a huge album for me um, because it was huge for everyone. And if it wasn't, well, then you're lying. Um, but it's also, when I, I moved to America and everyone, like, Frog Stomp just was massive there. And when I moved to America, being Australian wasn't. Boring yet, like the, the Irwins hadn't infiltrated yet, and the Hemsworths hadn't infiltrated yet. You were kind of exotic and um, cool, so they were right, like, "Do you kn- right. do, do you know Silverchair?" I'm like, "Well, <laughs> I, like I could, but no, I don't." I feel like I do, yeah, but um, but strangely, like out, out of every song on that album, "Shade" um by Silverchair on Frogstomp, I just. Loved the simplicity of Um, I loved how it rocked I loved how it it sounded When I pressed play On my little Sony Discman When I used to steadily Carry it to to class And get on the school bus Without it skipping Um, And it's not my favourite Silverchair song But it's certainly a song That I When I hear It takes me back to takes me back to my youth So, did you see Silverchair live during that time around Foxton? I saw, I saw them in every album. I saw them live, yeah. generally at the Derwent Entertainment Centre in Hobart. You're and right. then moved to the Sydney Entertainment Centre because all the venues had real cool names back then. They weren't like Crazy John's Arena or anything. It was just the <laughs> <laughs> like it was the Derwent Entertainment Centre. It was all in the Derwent and the Sydney Entertainment Centre. because It was in Sydney. Um, and I and I also saw Silverchair at the Belvoir Amphitheatre in Perth. One of my top five all time ah, gigs. Cool. I think it might have been around Diorama, and there was this crazy thunderstorm. And they just kept was playing. Was Sleepy
0: Jacksons was Sleepy Jackson supporting?
1: It wouldn't have surprised me. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I love Sleepy feeling. Jackson. I they
0: may have been touring with them at that time. It, hey, you know, it's funny you should say Super Chat, right? Because just a little story. Mm-hmm. Um. I was down here in Australia the, the other day, right, with my two daughters, and um. Oh, that's right. We were FaceTiming um my uh, nephews up in Sydney, uh, because he's playing guitar, and I just organised to get him this like guitar. Um, and, and so we, were, so we all had our guitars out, and I was just like going, "I was this is no shit, the truth." I was just like playing around, and I was just going like this, and I was like, "Oh, hang on, I'm playing the door. It's the door. Yes, the door." And then I just couldn't stop playing do, 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 it. I've had that big. song in my head ever since. And I remember going to an ARIA, one of the first ARIA awards I went to, um, when it used to be held in like this theatre in Sydney, right in the city. Um, so it was like a sit-down theatre kind of uh, situation, which it isn't anymore. Um, and Silverchair opened the Arias with um, three songs, and The Door was one of the songs they played. It must have been after Freak Show, it must have just come out. Um, and it was just, you know, they were just so good. They were so damn good. There's also a video on YouTube that I've watched of them when they first started out. They're playing at the Cambridge Hotel in Newcastle. Um, this would have been around f- maybe even before Frogstomp came out, you know, maybe right when Sort of Tomorrow was out. And, you know, I watched it and I was just like, they're just kids. And my God, they're so tight. Yeah. And they're rocking out so hard. And, like, I think there was a time there where maybe there were people, there was kind of like, I mean, they were hugely popular, but there was also the people that kind of were thought they were, like, not very cool. But um, But I just think, like, watching back to that video and
1: remembering seeing them back then, like, it's undeniable how good they were. They ah. were... Would- and, and fucking rock. And 13 or 14. I, I've hung out with Chris quite a bit. I know Chris um, and Carissa are his partner. We camp at Splendor most years. And, and I've, I've met Ben a few times, but I've only met Daniel once. And that was at the last Splendor in the Grass. And he did a surprise um, appearance with Whatso Not. And Whatso okay. Not played Freak. And we're at this party afterwards it's at, at somewhere at, like at Splendour which is generally you know you go up the hill past the dilapidated bus you do two roly poles you walk left and you, <laughs> you use this password <laughs> like I'm like oh shit that's Daniel Johns and he came over he goes I don't think the kids knew Freak. <laughs> I'm like, no. Look, I was singing along. I was singing along, but it's amazing when you're in Splendid, God, how, you, how you feel old in, in three and a half minutes right there. But God, that, that was so cool. And they still are so cool. They're, they're, an, they're a band that I just love so much. Yeah, that's
0: awesome. Um, all right, so that was uh, song number 1. So now we're going to career. So that was youth. We're going into Korea now.
1: Yeah. So um let's go back to the Red Hot Chili Peppers and, and I'm not going to I'm not going to choose by the way, which is the song they played on your instruments on that fateful day. <laughs> um, yeah, I would, I didn't even know what song they were playing. Like. <laughs> <No>. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but the first radio junket I got to go on and this was before like even like I've I've gone on radio junkets where you've gone to LA for like twenty six hours and you straight back. This was a junket to go to the, to see the Chili Peppers, um, and it was the By the Way album. And um, you go. This sounds so ridiculous in this day and age, but you go over for like six days to do one interview, <laughs> and you go there. And the first thing you do is you have dinner with the label. Um, you you get a day free of shopping. Then you go. To Top of the Pops to go and see the Chili Peppers play, by the way, at Top of the Pops. Um, Wow. And then you go to one of their shows at the Hollywood Bowl, and then you go out to dinner again. Then you go back to your hotel and you have a day of rest, and then you get to listen to the album that hasn't come out yet, and then you get to go and interview them. And so, I got to interview them. But but the Chili Peppers interview, probably much like Jebediah did, very separately. So, they never... So, <laughs> it was... I, I think it was Anthony on his own. Then it was Chad okay. Smith on his own. And then it was Flea and John together. And... So you're kind of doing four interviews, really. But Anthony was so ah, cool. He no. was living at a bungalow, at the Chateau Marmont at the time. So I'm sitting in the like his actual bungalow, talking to him. And and so again, you listen to this album, and and so this album just has it, it just encapsulates. This is the by the way album. Just it, everything you've never done in your life before. Like not only like it was just absolutely mad. So um, then I got obsessed with the Chili Peppers even more, and and. Um, well, I took, I took the book over with me, Scar Tissue. And oh, it was yeah. a hardcover of the book. And, you know, I'm very professional, as you know, and I never get guests to sign anything or whatever. So I, I had to say, at the end of this five or six days, and this is mad, so could you please sign Scar Tissue for me? And he said, look, you've just been such a, a, a champion and, and we've loved your commitment to coming over. Well, I, I'd like to write something in it for you and I'll send it back. So, again, back then, I'm never going to see this. Yeah, before. yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I didn't even know the lady I handed it to. Wow. It was such a blur. Yeah. But, you know, two months later, this express post hits my, <laughs> my doorway and it's the hard copy of Scar Tissue. And he's written this beautiful note in it and he's signed it and he's drawn like the Buddhist symbol for love in the top corner. And it was mad. So, the next song, uh, for some reason, Venice Queen, which is the last song on that album.
2: Coming through the mess, y'all Checking in just to get it blessed, y'all just to comprehend your that I do suspend and easy now to find a breeze where you come from where you going?
1: and you'd love this John Frusciante has this moment where I mean in the live shows he has this we well, have this beautiful kind of almost classical electric guitar sound which could sound like strings could sound like anything at the start and then halfway through this, probably their longest ever song. It's probably a six or seven minute song. There's this acoustic guitar just sitting on a stand, and John Frusciante just walks over to the guitar and and, they get, and just 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 thrashes the shit out of it for the last minute of the song. Before they just go into this mad Chili Peppers dance off, and there's blood on the guitar. And if you ever look up the Red Hot Chili Peppers live at Slane Castle, oh, okay. Venice Queen. Um, just to, you know, like, just, it was absolutely amazing. So, for some reason, that song just still brings back all those huge memories of that wild time. And, and since then, I've been able to interview them many times after. Um, but, yeah, they're the band. I know they're the band that took your instruments.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they're, uh, well, look, yeah, like I said, before, I mean, you know, not a huge Red Hot Chili Peppers fan, but... Mm. Really like John Prashanti. I think he's just an incredible guitarist. So those junkets, yeah, they don't um, happen anymore. Believe me. So, I mean, oh, don't you? I bet you wish they did. Um, what? So the, I guess the proviso at the end of that is that you're going to support the band and the record in Australia, and you know, use your influence or
1: whatever to make a difference to that record. That's kind of what they are. Is is that the exchange that's going on? It's it's amazing that when you look back at it, it's basically two free concert tickets, a Thai meal, and I'll still talk about it 15 years later. (laughs) (laughs) It's It's the little things. (laughs) <laughs> it's, the, it, it's the little thing Record companies listening Now the small things That get us But no we, we, Back then in Nova We turned that into A one hour National music special Which Nova Weren't really a networked Radio station back then As I was saying to you At the start of this chat You know We're very individual stations mm. uh, So playing a one hour um, Coast to coast chat With a with a band Was kind of Was big It was big yeah. and, 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 you know, and you know what's so strange None of it was filmed there's one blurry photo of me and Anthony. There's a couple of still shots when they did the the launch of Nova Perth, but you know how like you don't you can't do anything anymore without it being filmed. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, now, like to, to the fact that that all happened and it's there's no video evidence is kind of surreal these days, but it's kind of nice as well.
0: Hey, um, I'm my phone battery is getting low, so um, yes, let's. Uh, yes. <laughs> I'm really sorry I've, That's alright It might cut out It might cut out any moment So uh, let's do your third song quickly Just in case it cuts yeah, out Yeah it's
1: la- the last song So this is rela- The relationship. So This was the last song At my wedding And I fell in love With this song first And then deep dived Into this band And it's Ween And the song is Your part.
3: There were beverages Laid out for the there were candy and spices And tricolored pastas The meat carved was drawn from succulent juices Served on platters of the purest gold I was calm when we arrived at the
1: that finished our wedding is that basically the wife and I like we had the best time at your party the wife and I thank you very much and it was our way of just it was one of the most beautiful songs but uh, I've never come across a band that are so diverse from the comical Push of Little Daisies to their 12 track crazy country album that they released with songs like Piss Up a Rope and um, I I love this band they're so fun they're obviously supremely talented because they're just yes um, they put. I know King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. They're putting out, you know, an album every five and a half minutes. But li- these kind of guys were putting out albums, and you wouldn't know it was Ween unless you read Ween on the front cover. So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah my last song for you is Your Party because, um, yeah, la- last song at our wedding, and um, we're still married, so that's good. And, <laughs> and just a, just a cool band to round off a good chat.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Love Wayne. Um, I love their record White Pepper. That was like, that's an absolute favorite of mine. Um, yeah, such a such a cool band. Like you say, like traverse so many different, I guess they're sort of in, that, in the same kind of realm as a band, like Regurgitator maybe, you know, just traversing so many different styles and just doing it so well and,
1: and forever fucking weird as well. Love it. Oh, absolutely. And some of the best album covers ever. That's <laughs> <laughs> true, yeah.
0: Um, all right, mate. Thank you so much, Tim, for joining me on my podcast. I really appreciate it, and I'm sorry that I'm rushing the
1: end. Oh, thanks for letting me be the 52nd or 53rd <laughs> or 51st guest. That's I cool. feel privileged. I, I'm not. I'm not quite. I'm not quite on the Bobcast Mount Rushmore of guests. But it's been oh, a pleasure. But, <laughs> being but, part you're, of it. But,
0: but you have the chiselled features, Tim.
1: <laughs> yes, of, there you go. <laughs>
0: Thanks so much, man. I, I do really appreciate it. And yeah, um, all the best. And um, yeah, hopefully um, see you backstage at the show sometime soon, man.
1: Yeah, would love to. And yeah, and listen out for Kevin Mitchell on introducing as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks, man. <laughs> Mate, so lovely to see you. Lovely to chat.